Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. August 19th, 2021, and this is Ask Susie and KT Anything. And by the way, everybody, if you want to possibly have your question answered on our podcast, then all you need to do is write to Podcast at gmail.com. And if chosen by Miss Travis... What are you going to say, KT? If you put my name first, I that, usually... It doesn't work anymore, <laughs> right? Don't make them too long. Don't yeah, make don't, it complicated Don't here. send me a story. Just send me your questions. All right. Then if chosen, it will be answered on the air. And you never know when I'll personally answer it myself directly to you. So today's right. a special day, Susie. Every I, I day's think, a special but, day. But today's a special day. You know day. why it's a special day? Guess what? I had early, early, early this morning. Pan- Pancakes. pancakes, gluten-free pancakes. Yeah, I don't plant-based pancakes. Loved it, loved it, loved it. Oh my God, I loved it. All right, go on. <laughs> All right, so we both received a very precious um, letter from a dear friend, and the dear friend is Lieutenant Colonel Cindy Feldswitch, retired. But wait, wait, tell us. But we call her Major Cindy. Tell everybody a little bit about Major Cindy. So this Major Cindy actually came into our life almost 20 years ago when Susie was doing a book tour and we were in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And we were outside of the, the, the place where she was signing and meeting people. And there was a long, long line. And as the day was getting late, a very anxious woman was like back and forth looking in the line, wondering if she'll ever get to the front. And I stopped and was giving everyone little notepads with or, or little notes to put their name written out on the front cover of the book to make the line go faster. So she looked at me, she said, do you think that Susie will accept this? And she showed me a gold star. And I said, what is this? She said, well, my name is Major Cindy Feldswitch, and I want to give Susie one of my major stars. She was with the United States Air Force. I said, you can't do that. That's your star. That that says you're a major. She said, no, but Susie so changed my life. I love her, and I want her to have this. Well, that meeting and that introduction to Major Cindy, which we still call her, by the way, she was promoted to Lieutenant Colonel. And I was there when she was promoted. When she met Susie, this 
beautiful connection took place. And she said, Susie, please, the military families need you so much. Will you speak on my base? So that was the beginning of my introduction into the United States Armed Forces in many ways. And it was all because of our Major Cindy. She came to our house once for Thanksgiving. She has served so many tours in Afghanistan, all over. And then just recently, we got this This, e this letter. Yes. This letter is very beautiful. So let me read it. Dear family and friends, many of you know yesterday... 12th of August was my last mission as I had an appointment at the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library and Museum in Atlanta, Georgia. My United States Air Force Honor Guard collection was gifted to the museum, so the story of the first five enlisted women to serve as ceremonial guardsmen will be preserved for the future. I was selected 15th of November, 1975, and graduated training with four other women on the 16th of July, 1976. In January, 1977, I had the honor of being an usher at Jimmy Carter's inauguration. At 19 years old, I thought I would never get mail from the White House again, so I had my badge, my photo, and certificate all framed. I saved it all, my orders, my training certificate, all the badges, the pictures, etc., and the library accepted my entire collection, including my congressional record from Congresswoman Michelle Lujan Grisham. The United States Air Force has kept the story only at the Honor Guard Unit at Joint Base Bowling in Anacostia in Washington. This story is bigger than me, so I kept looking for a home for my story, my team story, so the American public one day Oh, go on. No, I'm thinking of her and all, all that she's done. Yeah, go on. go on. Sorry, everybody. She, I love this woman. She said, when the United States Air Force allowed women to serve on the honor guard, this opened the door for all the sister services allowed to allow women to serve in their elite ceremonial units. I did not get here alone. It is with a grateful heart that I thank you all for your support. Susie's <laughs> crying too a little. So we love Major Cindy. We call her Major Cindy, Lieutenant Colonel Cindy Feldswitch retired. retired now. But we, we but what a great, great honor. Woman. So any of you, any of you that visit the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library and Museum in Atlanta, please go and look for because this Honor this Guard collection. and four other women, women were allowed to be part of Honor Guards in ceremonies for, for funerals, for all kinds of things because of and, these five women. And Susie and I have had the great honor of being at one of these honor guard ceremonies in its highest uh, regalia yeah. in Washington, just outside of Washington, D.C., for one of our general friends that retired yeah, and, yeah. and went to um, to teach Harvard. up at Harvard. Yeah. And Major Cindy's been responsible 
for everything that Susie has done for the United States military. We started with just Air Force bases, and then the Pentagon um, appointed Susie as the official educator for the United States well, Army Talley Reserve. And for the United States Army, we've been to the commands in Europe. We've actually had an incredible, amazing experience. All because of one woman standing in line at a book signing. Wanting to give to- Susie her little star, and she still <laughs> yeah. has that gold and star. Major, and Major Cindy, if you're listening to this, I still have your dog tags that you gave me before mm. you went to Afghanistan, just so you know. So we want to really celebrate and honor and thank all women who serve in the military. And of course, all other members of the United States military were just very, very so honored that we met Major Cindy Feldswitch. Yeah. All right. Good. All right. Here we go. Ready, Susie? Let's ask big, Susie big pile something. Of questions. <laughs> all right. Hello, the two of you. Hello, My Katie. question... This is from Terry. I am currently invested fully in mutual funds. You often say that you like ETFs better than mutual funds. Uh So I finally need to get some clarity. Susie, what is the difference between the two that makes you favor ETFs? So there are so many differences, truthfully. But the main difference, Terry, is that with an exchange-traded fund, an ETF, It is exactly like it says. It is a fund that trades on the exchange. Therefore, what that means is if I want to buy an ETF like the Standard & Poor's 500 ETF, SPY, or the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index ETF, VTI, I could go on my computer, on my phone, I could say, buy me 100 shares right now, and bam, a second later, I would own 100 shares or whatever it is that I would want to buy. With a mutual fund, you can't do that. When you put in an order to buy, you don't buy at that moment. You get the closing price of that mutual fund, whether you are buying or selling, you get the closing price of the average of everything that's in that mutual fund that day. So if you're afraid that the market is absolutely going to crash and you put it in order to sell your mutual fund, you do not get to sell it to the close of business that day. That is my main reason that I like ETFs over mutual funds, but I also like ETFs because now with the onset of buying slices, commission-free, you could buy fractions of ETFs. So if you want to invest $5, $10, you could. Many mutual funds, you have to have a minimum of $3,000. So I like ETFs over mutual funds. That's a good reason by itself. Next question is from Mayor. So Susie, I'm going to summarize this a little bit. Mayor is our age. She's married. She doesn't have children, but she would like to invest and continue to help her brother's grandchildren. And they have, there's quite a few of them. And instead of buying them toys, she makes little investments for them. But just, I do too. We do the same thing. But recently, her brother just had a new um, granddaughter named Gracie. And Gracie was born with Down syndrome. She has special needs. Her parents 
have told Mayor, please don't start any investment accounts mm -hmm. for her because it could interfere with her financial assistance benefits, which I think is true. So she's asking, is there any way she can provide some future money for her Gracie? Yeah, the thing is, Mayor, is that what's really important for you to know is that when a child has special needs, usually they will qualify for something called SSI, Social Security, Disability, or Income, or whatever it may be. But if they have too much money in their own name, they, dis they get disqualified from it. And to qualify for it again is very, very difficult. So usually a parent will set up a special needs trust that can be funded with money that this child's parents will want to leave to this to Gracie so it doesn't disqualify her. So all of you might want to set up a special needs trust right now and put money into that so that Gracie can get at that money but not be disqualified from SSI. What, so it, can Mayor set that up or the parents of Mayor Gracie? Mayor can also set that up, but I think it would be a waste of easier. money. Only There should be only one special needs trust and why not all, everybody get together and put money into that? Oh, good, good, good idea. So this next question is from Susie. Love your podcast. You've touched on this briefly in the past. However, from the parent's perspective, I have a nephew who just turned two. And again, this is similar to Mayor. And she would like to give investments of anywhere from 20 to $100 on special holidays, birthdays, you know, whatever, instead of giving him a toy. So she's asking, is there a savings account he could get control of either at 16 or 18? And it would be something helpful for him to get a car, go to school or whatever. So Susie, what would you suggest that Susie so does? So here's the problem, Susie, is this, is that if you put money in a child's name, it has to be either a uniform gift to minors account or a uniform trust to minors account where you are the custodian for this child because the child is too young to be able to decide what to do with money. However, money that's in a Uniform Gift to Minors Act or a UTMA account will count against this child when they need financial aid. So it's not something that I would recommend doing. Also, I'm just going to say this, KT is not going to like what I'm about to say. So I'm just preparing you. All right, KT? All right. All right. I saw this myself when I actually was seeing clients for all those years when I had, you know, my own practice. And what would happen is you would see this child, little Johnny, such an angel, so fabulous. And parents would set up UGMA accounts for this child. And I was doing this long enough to watch little Johnny angel go from the age of seven and eight when they set up everything to the age of 18 when automatically this money is legally Johnny's. 
Nobody I can know do anything. Can do anything about little it. Little Johnny Lenny, turned into little Johnny Devil. Devil. <laughs> and what was so sad is that in this one case that I'm thinking about, and it was more than one case, Johnny turned into a devil, but in a very bad way, in a way where he got involved in drugs oh, and yeah. all kinds of things, and he used that money to support his drug habit. And I won't even go into the ending of that story because it's not good on any level. So just be careful, everybody, because I know you think it can never happen to your children. And I'm sure it won't. <laughs> However, who knows really for sure what happens. So I really think it is far better off to take money that you want to give to a child and put it into a 529 college savings plan or put it into a place where you control it yourself and you leave it as a beneficiary to them when they're older and you know they can handle money. Okay. All right. Next question is from Eric. Hello, Susie and KT. Hello, Eric. Susie, I am a longtime fan of your CNBC show, your books, and now your podcast. Good. I have a question about reallocating positions from a higher expense ratio mutual fund to lower expense ratio mutual fund with an employer-sponsored 401k. So the big question here, Susie, just to summarize for Eric, he has a 1.0% ratio, which seems high to him. Expense ratio. Expense ratio. And then there's some lower funds at a 0.03%. Yes. So that's what he's- Does it make a difference? He wants to know, does it make a difference? So, all right, Eric, you don't say in this email, because KT just handed it to me, how old you are. So let's just assume you're 40 years of age, you're going to keep this going for 30 more years because you know I don't want any of you really to retire before the age of 70. And let's say you have $20,000 and it's invested and it's invested in a mutual fund that has a 1% expense ratio. That 1% expense ratio over a 30-year period of time would cost you about $7,000 more. So you would have $7,000 less than if that $20,000 was in a mutual fund with an expense ratio of 0.03%. Now, obviously, we have to assume that both mutual funds make essentially the same return. But if it's in an index fund or whatever it may be, you're going to come in at about the same return. But that is the difference a 0.03% expense ratio can mean to you versus a 1%. If it was, by the way, over a 40-year period of time, let's say you're 30, it could be a $10,000 difference. So, it can make a big difference. So should you always opt for the lowest expense ratio possible? In my opinion, you absolutely should. And remember, there are never any fees or penalties involved when you reallocate funds within a 401k account. All right, next KT. All right, this is from Michael. Michael's actually pretty young and and has an idea. Ready? Michael's 40 years old. He's single. He has a leased vehicle and a dog. 
<laughs> I like that, That's Michael. It's a good start, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like least vehicles. Wait, that's not the question. A big mistake Michael, already, wait, Michael. Michael, Michael makes $43,000 a year. He lives in Massachusetts. He has a 401k valued at 140000 It's fully vested, and he's been with his company for 15 years. Good, pretty stable guy. I would like to buy a house in Massachusetts. Should I take $100,000 out of my 401k to use as a down payment on a 30-year mortgage? There you go. He doesn't want to be house poor, but he wants to own something. Can this be your quizzy? No, he. Yeah, you can make it a quizzy. I don't think you should. Do, I don't think you should do it, Michael. All right. I, th- ding, I don't ding, think. Ding ding ding. But why shouldn't he do it? Well, for two reasons. Number one, he's renting in a really stable, great you know opportunity, and he knows the owners. All of that is his background. But he's only forty. So why take all that money out? Plus, you're not allowed to take that much out. That's my girl. I don't know exactly how much, but I know you absolutely can't take a hundred thousand out of a hundred forty thousand. Not anymore. So during COVID and the CARES Act, you were allowed to take up to a hundred thousand dollars out, regardless of how much you have in there. Everybody know this rule, and Michael. You need to know this or you're going to make a big mistake. When it comes to taking a loan out of a 401k plan, the most you can take out, all right, is 50% of what you have in there or $50,000, whichever one is less. So if you took 50% of your 140,000, that would be 70,000. So whichever one is less is $50,000 less than 50% of what you have in there. Yes. So the maximum that you could take out as a loan from your 401k is only $50,000. So you can't do what you want to do. It's just that simple. Also, or can you afford it? Boyfriend. Yeah, Michael, wait, just wait. You don't need to do this right now. Plus, well, it's not necessarily thing. a good time to buy. He is does it? not say on this. That's not the point here, KT. It's it doesn't say on here, Michael. Do you have money in an emergency fund? Do you have what do you, all you're telling me is that all you have is a lease vehicle and a dog, and you make forty three thousand a year. You are so denied. By the way. <laughs> Now that I'm saying that, everybody. Wait, say it one more time. You are denied. On (laughs) September 15th, so in approximately a month, I am going to be on the Today Show with Hoda and Jenna at the 10 a.m. hour doing a Can I Afford It segment. Don't you want to go on air with me live? Don't you, everybody? So if that is true on my Instagram account, on my Twitter account, on my Facebook account, and also on my wall on the Women and Money app. There is a link, and we'll put that link also in today's podcast in the description. If you click on it and you fill out the form, then that goes directly to the Today Show, and they may choose you to come on the air with me, obviously via Zoom. 
Come on, everybody. Let's do it. It's really a lot of fun. All right. Go on, KT. Okay. Next question is from Becky. But you got to do it soon because a lot of people are going to apply. All right. Go on. All right. Next question is from Becky. Hey, Susie and KT. Hey, Becky. Hope you're staying safe with all the storms. We are. We are. Thank God. Yeah, they're good. They're all going south of us, so we're just knocking on wood and praying. <laughs> so you often joke about how you change your trust. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, listen to this, Susie. Without getting too personal, what type of changes are you making we should be aware of? Ooh, we change it all the time, Becky. Why do I change it, Kate? She, she gets Becky. mad at somebody or... You know, she decides, oh, I'm not going to do that, KT. Well, here's anyway, the thing. Wait, wait, wait. Let me finish the question. All we, right. No one cares about how often we change our trust. But well, obviously, the fact Becky that we, does. The fact that we can change it and Susie's, you know, must-have documents is a great will and trust program. You should all have it. That you can make as many changes as you want for free yeah. versus going so to an attorney and it's 500 bucks This is her time. question. A lot yeah. of people don't understand how this works. Can you speak to the need of making any changes when you move from one state to another? They drew up the documents in California, and now they're living in Texas. The husband retires, her hubby retires next June, and we aren't sure where we will end up. Yeah, so the great thing about the must-have documents, which is the will, the living revocable trust, the ANVAT, the advanced directive, the durable power of attorney for healthcare, and the financial power of attorney, is that especially with the living revocable trust in our must-have documents, they are governed by the laws of California. Now, KT and I are residents of Florida. What most of you do not know, and many of your lawyers may not know, is that your trust can be governed by any state that you choose for it to be governed by exactly like a corporation. You can have a corporation in Nevada, a corporation in, you know, wherever it may be, um, just be in Delaware, because maybe it's more advantageous for your business, even though your business is not in Delaware or in Nevada. So the reason that we chose California to be the governing trust body is that California has the most liberal trust laws of any single state there. So you started in California, you're now in Texas, you do not change anything, your trust is still valid. And I'm sure you won't let me tell them why I change it all the time. Sorry, everybody. She says no. No, okay. I have too many questions here. I, I want to get through so it's many. It's if I just change my mind who I'm leaving things to these and what are, I'm leaving. These are great questions. Yeah. Next one is from Deanna and Emily. Hi, Susie. This is from Deanna. I'm 32 years old. My partner's 38. We're selling our first home for $183,000. Our mortgage has a balance of $65,000. We have $32,000 in savings. So just to kind of summarize what they wanted, and the only debt they have is $14,500 in a car loan. All right. All right, ready? They both left their jobs two weeks ago. They're planning to move from North Carolina to Vermont. 
but they want to start their own massage therapy practice, which which I think is a great Come and idea. start it on the island. Yeah. We'll hire you every day. Oh my God, we love massage therapists. So the bills and lifestyle they feel will require at least 5000 a month income. And they they hope within a year they'll be able to build the practice and have it paying for so itself. They so they want to know what to do with what do they do money? with all their money. Well, all right, my dear Diana and Emily, here's the scoop. So you bought this house, you know, you're selling it. You're going to have about $115,000 left after you pay off your mortgage. You also tell me in this email that I'm looking at that you have $32,000 in savings. So you're going to have approximately $147,000 in total. Obviously, the first thing you're going to do is pay off your car loan. It's not a tax write-off. I'm sure it's at a higher interest rate. Get rid of it. So now you have no payments and you have approximately $132,000. I want you to take all of it and put it into, and you should both do this, an Alliant Credit Union Savings Account because they're paying 0.55%, which is one of the highest interest rates that you can get right now. So you would go to my alliant.com to open that up. If you go to myalliant.com, I just have to say this again, KT, and you do this right now before September 13th, and you each do it. I was going to say they both should have the ultimate opportunity yeah, savings account. Yeah, then you're both going to be entered twice into the sweepstakes that we talk about at the beginning of this podcast. I would leave that money there liquid. You might want to start a checking account as well. They'll pay you 0.25% on it. And don't do anything with this money other than keeping it safe and sound till you know how the year goes. And therefore, once you start and you see that you're making money and everything is good, then we can get around to investing it. But until then, you're to just leave it safe and sound. Next. Good. Next, another one about must-have documents. Hello, Susie. I hope you're doing well. This is from Barbara. She said, I'm a loyal podcast listener. I'm grateful to you for your wisdom. I've purchased the online must-have document program, and I was chatting with my mom about the documents and wanted to ask if I may pass along the activation code to her. There you go. And the answer to that, Barbara, is absolutely, you know, when I created the must-have documents, the goal wasn't to sell every single person a must-have documents. No, it was to just get one of you to step forward, to purchase them, and then you do your must-have documents. And obviously, it's password protected. Nobody can see what you did but then you pass your activation code on to all the members of your family so that they can be protected, but that they don't have to pay the money to get another one. So for all of you who want, go to suzyorman.com slash offer and you'll see they're there for $69 and take advantage of it and share it with your entire family and everything, $2,500 worth of state-of-the-art documents. Okay, go on. Okay, next question is from Aga. I'm glued to my Fidelity account. 
watching the stock go up and down. Should I buy that? No, don't touch it. I only, I'm only supposed to dollar cost average to my ETFs, but it's so tempting. So this, this sounds like Og is asking for your advice. Should she just set it and forget it? Or should she go in and out of the market? Well, it's not, she's not really asking if she should go in and out of the market, which obviously you should not. But if you have a little extra money, Aga, and the markets go down one day, and you want to put it in the market to, or in an exchange traded fund or whatever, it's diversified and you're going to leave it there for five, 10 or 15 years, go ahead and do it. You never really set it and forget it and not pay attention to it. It's good just to see what your money is doing. But if it's driving you crazy and you're watching it every minute of every day and getting confused, just give it a rest for a while. That's what I say. Next question is from Saritha. Susie, I currently invest 10% of my salary into my employer's matching 401k plan. They match up to 4%. If I contribute at least 5%, I'm wondering if I should change and invest only 5% to get the match and then the remaining 5% go into a contributory Roth IRA. And so it's a four, it's not a Roth 401k. Yes, you absolutely should. If you, all of you listening, if you work for an employer that does not offer you a Roth 401k, and they only match up to 5 or 6% or whatever it is that they match. Your instructions are very clear. If you qualify for it income-wise, you contribute up to the point of the match of your 401k, and after that, you absolutely fund a Roth IRA to the max. Is that everything, KT? Is that's, it my quizzy time? That's it. All right, we have a quizzy for all of you. All right, now, remember the quizzes aren't just for KT. They are for everybody to see how well you are learning. And the truth is they're getting more complicated as time goes That's on. for sure. For sure. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. Hi, KT and Susie. This is from Ben. I'm 35 years old, and I'm looking to invest in a taxable investment account. All right, he just, not a retirement account, so anything he does will be taxed to him. If I start investing in a taxable investment fund in the current year, if I make gains, so he buys something, he sells it, and he's made money, would those gains push my income above the $125,000 threshold, which KT, as you know, is the maximum of his adjusted gross income for him to fully fund a Roth, right? Mm -hmm. He says, yeah. I'd like to max out my Roth in the current year, but I'm not sure how income would be reported if any gains are made on a taxable investment fund. So here is the question. Will his gains in this taxable investment fund count towards his income? Or does it not because it's investment income and not earned income. Susie, money's money. And the total amount of money I believe that one has is- Well, it's not that one has case T. Remember, it's he has earned income. He's going to have capital gains possibly from this account or ordinary income. So does it all count 
towards his AGI when it comes to a Roth? My, yes my or no? final answer is yes. Are you positive? I'm positive that if all Does, the money, so yeah, I'm, I'm positive. All right. I don't care whether I'm right or wrong, but that's it. All right. So are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Are all of you ready? Have you answered this question? Here we go once again with my favorite. Ding, 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 oh, ding, 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 ding. Yeah, baby, I'm right. You I got was it right. right. You I got felt it right. completely confident right. in that yeah. one. So Money's everybody, money. what you have to know is that any investment income that you have from a taxable investment account counts towards your AGI when figuring out if you qualify for a Roth or not. All right, that brings us to the end. No, it, it brings us to a party. When are we going to the party? Yes, Margaret yeah, Nielsen. It's Margaret's birthday it today. It is her 56th birthday today. Margaret is one of our dearest, dearest friends for so many years. And, and our business partner, we love her. Yeah. She's involved in everything we do. We absolutely have all the trust, faith, and love for this woman because she makes our life easy. Yes, we Margaret, make her life really Margaret really runs. She's not the top, top taco, taco, but she's but, all the fillings of a yeah, taco. She runs Hay House, in our opinion, and Hay House is our business partner forever. Forever, who love created Hay the must-have documents with us: the Ultimate Retirement Guide, the Nine Steps to Financial Independence Course, everything that we have ever done. Most of our fun things, things we've, we've ever, ever done. done, we've partnered with Hay House. So wait, and I have to say, Margaret, them. as soon as we're done with this, we're going to send you a very special birthday video. So look for it. Yes, we will. Yes, Katie and right. Margaret, as you know, you have a special gift coming to your house today. So I can't wait to see what you think about it. So we love you, Margaret. Happy birthday, BFF. And because um, she is really, we call each other BFFs. Because we are. Can you believe I still have a BFF at this age? Yeah, so does Margaret. So until Sunday, everybody, what do you want to tell everybody? All right, stay strong. Smart. And secure, baby. Yeah, sweethearts. All right. Can Love I, you. Can I have more pancakes now? No. All right, see you soon. Bye-bye. We can't get Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.